over the course of human history. There's been Noah's Ark, savior of mankind. St. Francis of Assisi, foregoing his wealth to be savior of all animals. And Curtis Sliwa, guardian angel and savior of New York City, protecting both man and beast. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents... Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. From bipeds to quadrupeds and everything in between. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. You know, as we're talking animal welfare issues for this hour, as we do every Sunday from 11 to 12, you can certainly see the previous shows that are in podcast form. You go to wabcradio.com for all your podcast needs. You need to know that in this past week where uh, we have been exposing where the illegal aliens are being bused to and sent to in advance, and it's caused all kinds of angst and anger towards me from both Democrats and Republicans because we're ahead of the curve. Most of the heavy lifting has been done by my wife, Nancy, who was involved in real estate as an e-attorney. I want to thank you, uh, Nancy, on behalf of all of our listeners and Yvette Aguirre out in Riverhead, the supervisor who got all the information that you had developed ahead of the curve and imposed an executive order to stop Eric Adams, who had intentions of dumping a thousand illegal aliens uh, in that uh, place, that fork, where you could go either to... uh, Uh, Montauk on the North Fork or the Hamptons on the South Fork. So people need to know you've been doing the deep dive and peeling away the layers of the LLCs of these companies that want to keep their owners and operators uh, anonymous. So thank you on behalf of everyone at WABC and all of our listeners. Oh, thank you. It's certainly my pleasure. And they know you've been going through some medical issues. Uh, People have asked me, how's that going? Um, it is going okay. I'm 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 doing okay. Good, good. And she's going to continue to focus on her health while doing these deep dives. Uh, there are two issues that have come up in our attention here at WABC by animal lovers. None bigger than John Katzmatidis, our owner and operator, who last Sunday told a story on these airwaves that he was sitting in Central Park. The place that you often go to, Nancy, remember last Sunday was a beautiful day, gorgeous day. And he was sitting there with his daughter, Andrea, who is the Manhattan GOP chairwoman, and they were feeding squirrels. Except they couldn't find any squirrels to feed. Uh, oh, no. People were saying to me that the rat poison they put out for the, for the rats uh, might be killing the squirrels, too. I haven't heard that, but, you know, I, I know that it's a problem with, with dogs. you got to watch your animals. I had a friend's dog die from eating rat poison in New York City not too long ago. So, well, wow. somebody, uh, if you have anybody that can check it out, we we can't lose our squirrels. Yeah, 1,000%. Well, that's something Donald Trump can run on, too, in 2024. Let's save the squirrels. Yes. He'll protect save the, border. the squirrels in Central Park. Wait, protect the squirrels and protect the border. By the way, Laura, i got to ask you about this big breaking news that just came out. Eric Adams of New York just came out and said that 50% of New York City's hotel rooms are filled with migrants. That's like over 50 
thousand hotel rooms filled with And they continue. That was Lara Trump, the daughter in law of Donald Trump, who's acted as a spokesperson. Nancy, I can't tell you how obsessed John has been with this issue. Today, he went on his normal Sunday stroll, Central Park. He walked 20 blocks, and he reported to me he found only two squirrels. Now, you know in the past, the one thing you would see in Central Park a lot were squirrels everywhere. I tried to answer the question uh, on one of his roundtable discussions this week at 5 I didn't do a very good job of it. I hit the peripheral things. But you've done the deep dive. Why are there so few squirrels in Central Park and also, it turns out, in Prospect Park in Brooklyn? Okay, so um, so some of it clearly is uh, attributable to the rat poisons because what happens is, you know, they they put it down uh, within the confines of, you know, any of the public park space, and it's supposed to have – uh, you know, be a much more um, wildlife uh, friendly, you know, meaning like not accessible to, to things and be administered in such a way. But the problem is once you leave the confines of the park, uh, all bets are off and every type of uh, rodenticide is permissible. So because you have uh, most of the squirrels, you know, uh, leaving the perimeters of the park, unfortunately they're getting into this. So that's that's a big thing. The po- and and not to mention the fact that that's presuming that the parks are actually putting down the poisons in the appropriate way. Um, I don't really know how much oversight there is of that. So uh, there have been when there have been tests done by the park because their protocol is if they find uh, bodies of any wildlife within the park and it doesn't have an obvious sign of uh, like a trauma something you know you can attribute to that if it's an unknown. Um, cause, what you do is you preserve the body and then they do a necropsy on it. And the times that they've done it, including recently, um, across the board, um, everything has um, died as a result of some form of uh, poison. So that's 100% what it would be. And then the other alternative in terms of losing habitat, besides the fact of, you know, just normal um, building development, cutting down of areas, because uh, they would live in trees and shrubbery, but also the soil is important because that's where they bury uh, a lot of their foods. So there's uh, this, you know, unfortunately this new trend, well, not new trend, but for a while in New York City where a lot of the open spaces, the park spaces, uh, as opposed to it being grass, they replace it with forms of turf. Um, turf is something that unfortunately doesn't really, it's not soil, so there's no way for them to bury any food without that you don't have any squirrels. And actually, this is one of the things that um, pest control companies will advise to people if they want to keep squirrels out of their property or put down turf. So they're assuring that there's going to be no squirrel population in every place where they put turf down. Wow, that's a much more extended and defined answer than I gave John Katzmatidis. (laughs) That was excellent. (laughs) Thank you. But imagine... You know, they have very few squirrels in Central Park and in Prospect Park now. And that's one thing. No matter it was good times or bad times, you could go into the parks in New York City, Van Cortlandt Park. You can go into Cunningham Park in Queens, all the parks, Ali Pond Park, which is like a preserve. Uh, and there were always squirrels. This is not a harbinger of good things to come, that's for sure. Yeah, bad, bad omen. So uh, 
John Katzmatidis is on the case. As you know, he, like us, he loves the pigeons. He loves to feed the pigeons. Like us, he loves to feed the squirrels. But we got to save Rocket J. Squirrel, famous for his partnership with Bullwinkle Moose years ago, the most famous squirrel ever to exist. And one last point on this. Do you know who knows even more about squirrels than you, Nancy? Actually, I think I do. Uh, Bernie Getz. That's right. Bernie Getz, the subway gunman. When I visited him in his apartment, actually, uh, there was a great talk show host years ago on WMCA when it was the big talker at night, Alex Bennett. His theme song was, Do You Want to Be a Bird? He was very left-wing, very progressive. And he had a job back in San Francisco, his hometown, at a great uh, radio station, Camel. So he left here, and the person who took over the apartment was Bernie Getz, still there. When I first visited him uh, at the time he was on trial in the subway shooting, he had squirrels there. He goes to uh, 14th Street Union Square Park, and he feeds the squirrels, and he'll take them when they're injured. And it's like he's got uh, an infirmary there in his house. You, you visit Bernie, and there are squirrels. He knows everything about squirrels, everything, Nancy. Well, some, I mean, it's good. People, Someone needs to be helping them. Okay, so that's number one. Then I take you back before the lockdown and pandemic. You and I, we were sitting in a church off of Park Avenue. It was an event hosted by Cindy Adams. She did it every year, sponsored and supported by John and Margot Katsimatidis. To his credit, Cardinal Dolan of the Archdiocese was there for like four hours and blessed every animal. It was the annual blessing of the animals Nancy, we saw llamas, we saw monkeys, we saw pigs, obviously dogs, cats, every conceivable animal. Now, some of the people were arguing with one another when they were online waiting for the cardinal to bless their uh, animals. But remember, none of the animals were sparking off with one another, and none of them uh, had to relieve themselves in four hours. No, they were very well behaved. That was incredible. Well, Cindy Adams has a program here at WABC every Sunday from 1 to 2, and she is an animal lover extraordinaire. She was interviewing a guy who I think is um, manufacturing rolling paper. I'm not quite sure the product. I heard a little bit of it. Uh, I was trying to get a few hours of sleep, as you know, but I heard a little bit of it, and she just went off on the guy. I hate this. I hate what you're doing. I'm an, I hate it. Listen, I enjoyed having dinner with you. You were charming. You were nice and everything. But I hate what you're doing. I hate these stores. I hate anybody smoking. I hate the smell that's going all over New York. I hate that you're killing little dogs who are eating the little butts on the floor. What kind of a thing is this? I hate this. Uh, I think she hates this guy. And she yeah. had dinner with him. He he manufactures rolling paper that's uh, available in a lot of these uh, these pop-up illegal weed stores. And we addressed this issue last week that when people like uh, Cindy Adams, who has dogs and was walking the dogs on the streets, especially in the Upper East Side and some of the Manhattan uh, sidewalks, they're finding unused uh, marijuana cigarettes like uh, the last bit the roach the last bit that they would normally smoke 
and they're eating it, consuming it, and some of these dogs are getting very sick. Do you have any updates on that? Because clearly Cindy Adams is pissed. Well, yeah, I mean, in in terms of updates, uh, I, I think it's pretty much status quo. I, I would say at this point, I, I mean, the most advisable thing is to be uh, really as precautionary as possible. So the fact that the dog dogs can eat anything on the street, I mean, I see a lot of times when, you know, people are walking them, obviously you get distracted and next thing you know, you're pulling your dog away from something and you have no idea what they were just eating. So I think it's just it's going to be incumbent upon everyone to be super vigilant because there's a lot of things that are going to be winding up on the sidewalks. You see how it is with the sanitation. Like, there's a lot of things on the sidewalk these days. So I think that might be the least of your worries at this point. Can you imagine? I want to hear that one more time. Uh, Cindy Adams went to dinner with this guy, had him on as a guest. Yeah. This is the way... This is a good talk radio hostess who will not all of a sudden be nice, you know, so nice that the uh, guests uh, will have uh, insulin shock if they were a diabetic. But she tells it like it is. I hate this. <laughs> I hate what you're doing. I am I hate it. Listen, I enjoyed having dinner with you. You were charming. You were nice and everything. But I hate <laughs> what you're doing. I hate these stores. I hate anybody smoking. I hate the smell that's going all over New York. I hate that you're killing little dogs who are eating the little butts on the floor. What kind of a thing is this? I hate this. You do not want to cross Cindy Adams. No, I don't think so. <laughs> that's a good talk show hostess. You see, that's the, even though she broke bread with the guy, I'm sure he was somewhat charming. You got to be with her, or you're dead on arrival. And well, she... no, that that was, that was the only attribute he did have. He was charming. Yes, and man, it didn't matter on WABC. She deep sixed him. Now, an issue we've talked about a lot, and it's bothering more and more of our listeners. Another whale washed ashore, dead. I think it was on a Long Island beach. Correct. Yeah, so Robert Moses State Park um, this past Friday. So this was another uh, humpback whale, a 20-foot humpback whale. Uh, And this makes the 17th uh, along the Atlantic coast since the start of this year. So, I mean, once again, the official line by the uh, National Oceanic um, Administration is a known cause of death. Uh, These remain to be, you know, unusual mortality events. You know, they're, they're sticking to the same exact story. We don't know what it is, and we can't attribute to anything. But now, now they're going further in saying that the um, connection potentially to the wind turbines, it's bordering on conspiracy theory. So they're really doubling down on <laughs> trying to disconnect these two things, which clearly are super connected. Um, I mean, but again, now this makes it number 17. And notice, they're trying to make it political, saying if you want uh, them to stop putting up the windmill six miles off the coast, you know, by having to use sonar to find the location and then to blast at the uh, ocean's bottom in order to embed the towers that you're Republicans. Like, Democrats don't love whales. Most people love whales. Democrats, Republicans, it's like pet issues, uh, animal issues. It's the one way you bring people together. Uh, as polarized as the politics is. Trumpers, they love animals. Bidenites, they love animals. Apolitical people, most of them love animals. So right away, 
they want to distract us and say, well, anybody who wants a temporary halt to the construction of the wind turbines off the coast six miles out is a Republican because then they're against clean energy. Well, you know me. I'm an environmentalist. I believe uh, in the, the power of green energy. I want to see turbines out there. But I certainly want it studied also to see if, in fact, it is detrimental to the whales and to the dolphins. I mean, and, and the problem is you have all of these supposedly um, animal, um, uh, you know, oceanic animal protection organizations from the government to the states who are all toting the same exact line. I mean, these are the organizations that are tasked and responsible for protecting marine life. And clearly they're they're bought and sold. I mean, they're just toting the line of what's being done. They're not speaking out against it. And this is their job. They're supposed to protect these animals. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. It's the Animal Welfare Hour, exclusive to WABC. 1-800-848-WABC. There are also videos that are up. You go to uh, the WABC YouTube, and you type in Red Apple Media, and you can see Nancy and myself discussing various animal issues in a half-hour form with a, a lot of charts a lot of pictures, a lot of videos, and we continue to do that and post them every two weeks. There's another story here also having to deal with wind turbines. We were warned about this by Donald Trump uh, when he was a candidate first against Hillary Rodham Clinton, won the election 2016, and then when he was uh, the incumbent defending his presidency against uh, Joe Biden in 2020, he said, wind turbines offshore kill birds. Now, I never knew Donald Trump to be an animal lover. He really isn't. That's not his thing. Never had a pet in his life. But he said it over and over whenever he would gather around with his supporters. And now it turns out that these wind turbines may be killing bald-headed eagles and eagles in general. Could you explain that? Yeah, so this is uh, another example of uh, the federal agency uh, selling out the bald eagles, which they're supposed to protect. So this is the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Services. Uh, What you have is uh, currently dozens of permits, either approved or pending, that are with wind energy companies. Now, this is on the West Coast, and specifically written into these permits is that these companies have zero liability for killing up to 6,000 eagles, uh, bald eagles. So this is how much leeway these companies are getting, that they're, in a normal situation, if you had any, um, you know, any sort of uh, energy company, build, any sort of building being done where it could potentially be disrupting uh, natural environment, there are so many protections that come into place through the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Services. But what's going on here is that right now uh, they're even – trying to uh, further, uh, you know, sort of streamline this approach and saying that 
we want to say that we're going to make it automatic, that it, there's no problem whatsoever if they kill bald eagles. In other words, they're tossing every single protection for bald eagles in favor of these wind turbine companies. Right now, this is going on. Wow. And so there is a lot of truth to what Donald Trump was warning us about, about the wind turbines, especially in the number of birds that they kill or maim uh, and the bald eagles themselves, the symbols of America. I mean, and, and exactly. If you, even if you looked at it as a straight contractual um, approach, there's no reason in the world that you would give up every single protection you have over your environment and your wildlife. There's no reason to. They're giving everything away so quickly. They just got the ability to sell these rights. And the sloppy manner in which they're selling them at zero protection to the environment should be disturbing everyone what's going on here. And uh, this next story is incredible because most times, like if I was asked, uh, who is your soulmate? I would say my wife, Nancy. I would hope you would answer the same thing. (laughs) Yes. But half the population considers their pets to be their soulmates. Half of American pet owners say their soulmate is their animal friends, their animal members of their family. That is in, an incredible percentage. Yeah, you know, and, and what they what they really define it by is uh, a lot of these questions about, well, who do you think, like, you know, can, like, who is it that you tell most of your, your thoughts to and your deepest secrets to? So I, I guess it's like that level of camaraderie that you have with a pet, you know, it, it goes to show that, it really supersedes maybe what people are willing to say to each other. And they also say that pets are more receptive to what you feel. So, like, let's say you're down and maybe a coworker or a supposed friend, oh, they don't, they're not picking up on your down, but your pet will know you're down. So it's like these are a lot of these standards they're using for saying, oh, they're your soulmates. It's true. Uh, in the midst of the campaign, when I was running for mayor against Eric Adams and I would come home in the wee hours in the morning, get a few hours, and then I had to go back out on the campaign trail. You didn't want to listen to me. The other cats would hide from me. They didn't want to hear my nonsense. The only person listening to me was Hope, the calico cat, who would perch herself right near my shoulder, and I would babble on about everything that went wrong that day. You would put the pillow over your head, enough already, leave the campaign out in the street, and Hope, would come by and comfort me and also bring my blood pressure down because my blood pressure was like crashing through uh, the ceiling. I was so angry sometimes. They have a natural way of doing that. And there's no doubt. You remember when Hope died, I cried like a baby. I cried on the air. I didn't cry when my mom died or my father died. I cried when Hope died. Yeah, no, that, that was a tough one with Hope. Hope was great. But they are your soulmates. And when you say that, people who don't have pets or don't have animal friends or don't have uh, animal family members, they look at you like you're crazy, like you're a next step, you're going to be a furry. You're going to be dressing up, right, like uh, an animal and looking uh, to use the litter box. Well, well, since the majority of people do think this way, then it, then it doesn't really matter at this point. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And speaking of no-tell motels, holiday inns without the express, where they're putting all the illegal aliens, 
I guess the next set of uh, hotels they're going to procure for this are the pet-friendly hotels that are all the rave. Pet-friendly hotels are now the most in demand of all hotel accommodations in the world. Yeah, so, uh, and, and I think you're right. Unfortunately, this this one location, I mean, they're showcasing a lot of different locations, but this one in New York City is, like, uh, really ripe for, for being a, you know, sort of a migrant shelter. It's between 29th and 30th on Broadway, but what it does is it has, um, like, little mini versions of the room for dogs. So it's specifically dog-friendly, so it has, like, little fridges, uh, little yoga mats, and tiny TVs, but... Apparently, this is this is something that is, you know, obviously, um, you know, with people who are traveling, uh, they're seeking accommodations more often than not when they want to bring a pet. And, you know, th- th- it's a problem if people can't bring pets with them. They have to find pet sitters. So a lot of hotels, um, especially some of the bigger chains now, they're accommodating to, um, you know, pet-friendly visits. And, you know, it's like er- everything that really can, I guess, win over more uh, more clientele is good, but this is great. If you can bring your pet and they're enjoying themselves, they have like little bars and little pool areas where, you know, you can enjoy the pets playing. You can, you know, so it really seems very nice. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. It's another story that was very disturbing. And people say that a cat was murdered by a vet on the east side who didn't just murder the cat, according to them, but then lost the remains. Could you explain that? Yes, I mean, yes, this is a tough one. Um, This is a 15-year-old cat, a tuxedo cat named uh, Missia, that was brought to Animal Medical Center. This is on the east side, East 62nd Street. Um, You know, apparently the morning that the, you know, the pet's owner had found the cat, it was laid out next to the bed, stretched out. It wasn't moving. So right away they brought the, you know, they brought the cat there, and this is like an uh, an emergency uh, medical center. So a lot of people do bring, uh, you know, their pets there because this is one of the few places that you can get uh, immediate service. And she was told apparently that the cat had suffered a stroke, and there was nothing else to do but just to euthanize the cat. That was the only option. But the next day, she had, I guess, sought out a second opinion more or less, and was told that, oh no, given uh, what the diagnosis was, there was uh, plenty of alternatives and medications, and the cat should be alive. So immediately she's contacting uh, the medical center and saying, you know, I want the uh, the cat because she wanted to perform ultimately um, a necropsy. And, you know, they had uh, sort of lost the remains. And then two days later said, oh, you know, inadvertently, you know, uh, they had cremated the cat. So, you know, she she's suing for $3 million, and, you know, you know, alleging all different elements of uh, pain and suffering. I mean, obviously, this is just a um, – I mean, her case is going to be weak. I mean, I'm sure it's just really to make a point, which I certainly do understand. Um, you know, you don't want um, veterinarians sort of steamrolling uh, people into uh, euthanization when there's actually options. So, I mean, if that's really the ultimate goal, but – you know, I mean, obviously, this is a tough one. This will be a tough case to actually have. And then finally, uh, we'll be going to the phone calls at one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. A beloved hawk died after thirty years in New York City. This seems to have touched a lot of people. Why? 
Well, it, I mean, certainly because of the amount of years that this hawk had been living in New York City and acknowledged in New York City. So uh, for 30 years, and apparently in 2004, uh, where this hawk had taken up residence with its lady friend uh, in a building on Fifth Avenue, the you know the residents had at some point they tried to evict the the hawk they didn't want them there anymore but then there was a protest so they wound up allowing the hawk to come back and you know th there's only like 15 breeding pairs of hawks in all of New York City so I mean they're really magnificent creatures so I, I think it was because it just it was in such a prominent er area in in Fifth Avenue and so many people just fell in love with it over I mean over 30 years this this hawk um, passed away at so a lot of people got to know this hawk. When we come back, uh, we'll take your phone calls at 1-800-848-9222. This is the Animal Welfare Hour here at WABC. But we'll also talk about why I will never, ever, ever go to any horse racing events any longer. I was a fixture for many years uh, up in Saratoga, Belmont Stakes, which is coming up, third leg of the Triple Crown, Aqueduct. You will never see me there because there have been an unprecedented number of deaths of thoroughbred horses, even one at the Preakness right before the start of the race, who was trained by Bob Baffert, that evil one who had been on a two-year suspension for juicing horses, comes back, first time back, after two years. In a preliminary race, one of his horses has to be euthanized Right on the track, right on the track before the Preakness race. It's over for me, but when we come back, we'll discuss that and take your calls at 1-800-848-9222. W-A-B-C. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. DLM's Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. Unbelievable, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, many of you have listened to me over the years, and I've always done predictions for the first uh, leg of the Triple Crown, Kentucky Derby at Churchill Downs, Kentucky. Then the Preakness right outside of Baltimore, and then the final, the Belmont Stakes, uh, the longest race in racing. And uh, oftentimes I would be at the Belmont Stakes. I would travel up to Saratoga at least once a year to watch the races there. I've been to Aqueduct, been to the uh, uh, Harness Track in Yonkers. I, I've seen it all over the country. But I made the decision I am never, ever going to go to a horse race again. Uh, Bob Baffert, who I met one time at Belmont Stakes, a real jerk. No no other way to say it. Pretentious, omnipotent, you know, just walked around like his stuff didn't stink. He got banned uh, from racing for two years for juicing horses. And then he comes back, he goes 
with the Preakness, he's allowed back in. He hides from uh, the paparazzi and the reporters. He's training uh, one of the horses in the Preakness that actually won the race. But in a preliminary race, his horse, first race back in, is running on the track, falls, breaks its leg. The ambulance always follows the horses when they break out of the uh, starting gates. It's always precautionary because sometimes the horses do break down on the turf. And this horse broke down, and then they take out these covers so that the the all the people in the stands can't see it. Now, there are tens of thousands of people on the track that are watching this. They made the determination that this horse uh, could not be helped. They euthanized the horse right on the track, and then there's a winch that's in the back of the ambulance that drags the horse right on up. Then they bring it. I think they do a necropsy on it. And then uh, I don't know if it goes to a glue factory or the slaughterhouse or whatever. These are healthy thoroughbreds, two, three-year-olds, four-year-olds. And 17 of them have died in one track alone in California in the last few months. Ten at Churchill Downs before the Kentucky Derby. So as a result of that, Nancy, you've always been telling me, stop it. You shouldn't be encouraging people to support uh, harness racing, trotter racing, or horse racing, thoroughbred racing. And this has done it. Never again, Nancy. Never again. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad that you've made that decision. And, and you know, I, I was listening uh, to you earlier, too, and it was like, yeah, the, the talk about the idea. There's so much money involved with this. There's so much gambling. Like, as long as you continue to do it, they're going to continue to abuse these animals because they can. I mean, you, you just have to stop this. I mean, there's, there's, like I said, there's so much money involved with this. You just have to take the animals out at this point. Oh, they're juicing them. Like uh, Major League Baseball, they had A-Roid. A-Roid, oh, I'm not using uh, steroids. Mark McGuire slamming Sammy Sosa, who's actually whiter than you are right now. How he did that, I'll never know, but uh, he bleached himself white. And they were all using roids. Now, they made a decision to use roids. It's like the uh, musical that was on uh, Broadway, uh, Damn Yankees. You know, you make a deal with the devil because you want to exceed in what you're doing, and you pay the price medically later. The horses can't make this decision. It's the trainers that are juicing them up with these chemical cocktails to give them an edge. And they're dropping like flies out there. Owners, trainers, as you said, there's millions and millions of dollars at stake. And these healthy, magnificent animals are dropping. I remember watching them in the backstretch. And by the way, you go to the backstretch of any of these uh, tracks, Belmont, Saratoga, Aqueduct, they're all illegal aliens working back there because nobody else will do that work. Uh, uh, hot walkers, uh, groomers, uh, mucking out the stalls, and they live in really bad conditions, the block housing, although it's an improvement from where they came in their third-world countries. Well, I got to tell you, they are juicing these horses up. There's no doubt. I mean, they used to milkshake them, which uh, the day before race, they would put a tube down their throat, and they would put arm and hammer baking soda in their stomach, which would agitate them and actually make them run faster the next day. That's Arm and Hammer baking soda. That's the tip of the iceberg. They're juicing them with chemicals, and they're, they're, they're dying, dying in their prime. 
and nobody wants to do anything about it. Yeah, yeah, like you said, they're not willing participants. Uh, this, yeah, this is completely absurd. And there's, and there's, let's say there's no oversight. Oh, they, they were, they're saying, oh, the, 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 they were healthy, there was no issues, but still it happens. And that's supposed to be enough of an answer. Ah, oh, it happens. <laughs> like, that's not good enough. Absolutely unexcusable. Let's go to the phones. It's Tom in Forest Hills. Your turn to be heard here in the Animal Welfare Hour of WABC, Tom. Yes, uh, thank you for taking my call. Uh, I have an idea about the dogs. Remember, you talked about the dogs that eat the roaches and the uh, possibly rat poison. Uh, I hope it's not a cruel idea, but I was thinking about putting a nozzle on the, you know, on. So they can't uh, op- they can't eat uh, when the uh, owners take them out on walks. So the, mu- the be- muzzle, the muzzle, like we see some, muzzle. yeah, muzzle, muzzle, some right. dogs. But I, Nancy, I don't know about the muzzle. You normally put a muzzle on so that the dog might not bite somebody or bite another animal. Well, you know, I, I, it's funny because I definitely have seen um, dogs that don't look that they're um, aggressive, but they do have the muzzle. And I'm fairly sure it's probably for that reason, so that they don't just inadvertently um, eat something. And now, especially with the smaller dogs, I mean, they're like, you know, some of them you see, they have this really long hair, like you can barely see their face. It's like they're little vacuums on the ground. Like, you got to be very careful with those ones. I mean, they'll pick anything up. I know, but I, to be honest... I don't, uh, other than if the animal is a danger that they might bite another animal or bite a human being, uh, I don't like the muzzle on dogs. Look, put a muzzle on people, right? People would be, like, going nuts. You, you remember the movie. You remember the movie where you looked at uh, I'm trying to remember. It was about the FBI location. It was trying to remember her name. She did the puppet movie with, uh, oh, God, only oh, yeah. Man, it, was the, it was the reason that supposedly uh, Hinckley tried to kill uh, Ronald Reagan and shot him multiple times, uh, Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster. Okay, I know right. that. But... Remember she was in the movie? Taxi? No. No, no. She was in the movie and then in the cage, uh, The Silence of the Lambs. Oh, that was a great movie. Right, but he was muzzled. <laughs> Well, yeah, he was muzzled because you couldn't get close to him. He was a cannibal. Right, but you cannibal? see, when you looked at it, you said, I wouldn't want to be muzzled as a human being, but we muzzle dogs. Mm. And, no, by- no, no. And, and again, it, it's also not a good idea to muzzle them in general because that's the way that they um, perspire. That's the way they, they let out excess heat by panting. So if they're muzzled, they won't be able to let out the excess heat. Now, could you imagine if you were going to tell Cindy Adams, the greatest animal <laughs> lover alive, who hosts every year the blessing of the animals at the church right off of Park Avenue where Cardinal Dolan comes and blesses all the different animals. You've been there. I've been there. John and Margot, Casamitidis, uh, uh, sponsors that event there every year. You imagine if you told her to muzzle her dog? I hate that you're killing little dogs who are eating the little butts on the floor. What kind of a thing is this? I hate this. Oh, man. And that was with the guy she was interviewing on his show, one to two, earlier today on Sunday, who uh, manufactures the rolling paper that is sold in a lot of these pop-up weed stores. Uh, she liked him. She said yeah. that he was um, 
engaging. She had dinner with him, but she gave him hell. I, I want the full cut, please. You, you truncated that cut. What the hell is wrong with you, Matt Blaze? Don't you know what a good cut is? I hate this. <laughs> I hate what you're doing. I'm an, I hate it. Listen, I enjoyed having dinner with you. You were charming. You were nice and everything. But I hate what you're doing. I hate these stores. I hate anybody smoking. I hate the smell that's going all over New York. I hate that you're killing little dogs who are eating the little butts on the floor. What kind of a thing is this? I hate this. I would not want to have to tell Cindy Adams that she would have to muzzle her fluffy little yarn ball dog when she takes him out on a walk. You try telling her that, Nancy. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. All right, let's go to Corey, who's calling from Palm Bay. Your turn to be heard here in the Animal Welfare Edition here at WABC, Corey. Hey, it's a pleasure, Nancy. I, it's hard to get on with you, but I got it. Uh, so I was trying to tell uh, your friend and the Mama Luke for a couple of times about his, he's always talking about his, um, Rachel's cat uh, that has the leukemia, uh. about different veterinary clinics, because... There are some that are great, just like, you know, hospitals, because some that you don't want to go to, right? Oh, absolutely. And and it's true of vets. It's very true of vets, uh, like any, like doctors. You have good ones. Nancy, the, the, the vet that you've been working with for years, uh, when you do uh, trapping, neutering, and releasing, uh, and all the uh, animals you've rescued, all the cats. Uh, who is that vet uh, that you've, like, uh, had the greatest relationship with? Yeah, Dr. Nasser. He's in Windsor Terrace. So, I've been, I mean, I've been seeing him for, I'd say, yeah, like 15 years now. Um, and, it, it, you know, he's great. He's also, what's good is, like, there's not a lot of vets that will see feral cats. You'd be surprised because, you know, right away it's the, you know, the concern is you have to obviously – Put them into the, the you know you bring uh, you bring your domestic cat sometimes to a vet and they're so scared it's it's tough to get them in a carrier so you know sometimes they'll have to sedate a cat before they even take them out of the carrier if they're that aggressive you know they're putting on the gloves but you know with a feral cat it's that unknown thing so you know you'd be surprised a lot of vets don't want to work with them now there's this deadly dog virus that's going around. I'm sure vets uh, have had to really uh, ramp up in terms of their treatments and the visits that dog uh, dog owners have had. What can you tell us about it? Because I've heard from a lot of dog owners that they're really frightened that their dogs may get this. Yeah, so in the in New York City, apparently, it's a like three time increase with uh, dogs being. Um, you know, uh, being determined that they have parvo. Now, unfortunately, parvo is more often than not almost a a death sentence for uh, the dog because it has like 90% uh, 90 mortality rate. So it's like a gastrointestinal disease. It's highly contagious uh, between dogs, and it usually hits dogs when they're small puppies. So, you know, what what they're saying is, okay, you have to be sure to obviously make sure that you get your uh, young dogs especially vaccinated against this. But the the biggest indicator, besides the people who don't have insurance, is the backyard breeders. So what happens is, you know, you have pets who are being sold in a lot of these, uh, you know, stores, which, you know, unfortunately are still allowed to be sold, the dogs, 
uh, and they're breeder dogs. So any, you know, any of the avenues right here where, where we live anywhere and you see them in the windows and uh, odds are they really did come from a breeder. And if they, if they did have that, you know, the odds of them, you know, being able to recover from that. So we've seen a lot of cases where people have gotten uh, these really, you know, expensive dogs at the uh, local pet shops and they come down with parvo. And unfortunately, it's also highly contagious among dogs. It's not contagious to humans or to other pets, but if you have another dog, that dog is at risk. Now, last question. Years ago was 2013. Our owner-operator, John Katsimatidis, was running in the Republican primary for mayor. He was the first candidate ever to have as one of his platform issues no-kill shelters. Uh, I actually uh, took that and made that a platform of mine when I ran for mayor. But there was an issue. You may have remembered it. There was a cat in the tracks of the subways. And the candidates running, Anthony Weiner, told this story uh, yesterday with me, left versus right, because he was involved in the debates. The question was, what would you have done? Would you have resumed the subways rolling, uh, or would you have rescued the cat? Anthony Weiner remembers, he said, oh, rescue the cat, stop the subways. John Katzmatidis said, oh, rescue the cat, stop the subways. And Joe Loder, who had been the former MTA chairman, head of the money-taking agency, vile, despicable as he always was, said, oh, I'd run the cat over. The train's got to roll on time. It was that statement that I believe cost him a lot of support with the general public. They say, what kind of a human being is? But they have a case of that in Florida where a good Samaritan stopped his car to remove a turtle from the road, of which there are many down there. And as a result, him stopping caused, uh, I guess, a series of crashes behind him or fender benders. What would have been the right thing to do in that? Well, (laughs) okay, so I I definitely would would attempt to, you know, stop. I wouldn't want to be hitting anything on the roadway. Now, the idea of, you know, like, and looking at this roadway, first of all, it's such a it's such an incredibly narrow sort of area, and I'm not sure. It didn't seem like he had enough time, so it's just when he stopped, everyone you just barreled into him. You know, it's, it's a weird thing, right? So he he got out of his car. It wasn't as though he tried to avoid something darting across. He actually physically got out of his car to grab a turtle. <laughs> so. I mean, I, I just can't imagine that is advisable in any way when you're in the left lane of a highway. It just it just seems absurd. Um, I would maybe try to just avoid it, pull over, and then go back and, you know, be alerting people like, hey, watch out, watch out, something like that, as opposed to stopping in the left lane um, and causing a pileup, which is what he did. Well, that's being debated furiously in Florida, but we've run out of time. So, Nancy, until same time, same place next week, this Animal Welfare Hour exclusive to WABC. If people need any more help, advice, or they have questions for you, how can they reach you? Uh, they can visit guardianangels.org and go to the Animal Protection tab, or they can email me directly, nancy at guardianangels.org. And so many of our listeners wishing you the best of health as you go through a series of tests uh, with your medical condition and also praising you for the great work that you've been doing in busting these politicians and LLCs as they make money from us in the housing of these illegal aliens. W-A-B-C.